Truth News Network. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And we deal in facts. Here's one. You might want to write this one down. You can't comply your way to freedom. That's how prisons work. Seeing the picture? Here's someone who can make it clearer. His name is Dan Newman. I'm going to try to make it clear for you. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to TNN Live. And I know you're coming off an amazing weekend, one of those where you refueled, you watched some of the best football games that we've had in a long time. What about the Alabama-LSU game? I don't believe, I'm a football fanatic. Those of you that know, know that uh, I, for 12 years, I was the color commentator on the Louisiana Tech University Football Radio Network with Dave Nitz. Uh, We played during those 12 years. Most of those 12 years, Louisiana Tech was a independent. That means they weren't uh, uh, in a particular conference, and they were trying to move up, and they eventually did. But in that interim period, they played anybody and everybody. And so, I mean, I sat in uh, the stadium at Alabama in Tuscaloosa, also uh, played a game against a Louisiana Tech, Alabama did, in Birmingham. By the way, Louisiana Tech won both of those. Tech played at Clemson, uh, uh, Auburn multiple times, Florida State, Tennessee, Penn State several times, Southern California. So I've seen a lot of football and a lot of great facilities, and I've seen a lot of really great games. Two of those games were those big wins by Louisiana Tech over Alabama. Come on now. But LSU-Alabama this weekend, it literally came down to the last second in overtime. And LSU scored a touchdown. If you didn't see the game, I'll just give you the brief skinny. LSU scored a touchdown in overtime. Alabama had already scored a touchdown, kicked an extra point. So Louisiana Tech scored the touchdown. So what do you do? What do you do? The brand new coach at LSU, he rolled the dice. He's playing at home. Let's go for two. And a miracle pass scored a two-point extra point, and LSU beat Alabama by one. You got to love that kind of game. Now, let me me tell you a lot of people that were really upset. Do you know what the betting line on that game was at kickoff? 13 and a half points. In other words, bookies were betting that Alabama would beat LSU by at least 13 and a half points. And so think about it. If you're an LSU fan, LSU fans were piling on, taking the points. In other words, they were betting LSU. And that meant Alabama had to beat LSU by two touchdowns or they were going to win whatever they bet. Louisiana fans, LSU fans wiped up on the bookies in uh, southern Nevada. You can bet your bippy that happened. It was an amazing game. So maybe you're not a football fan. Okay, I get it. Uh, maybe you were just with friends and family this weekend. That's no less, believe me, than watching and listening to great football. And so I just want to tell you, I appreciate you coming back here every Monday. We do a weekend wrap-up. Sometimes we'll get into specifics. Sometimes we'll just look at what's facing us in the week ahead. On Monday, we do it either way. 
And this week, I got to be honest with you, a little brief look over our shoulders at football. But we got a big day tomorrow across the nation. It's already begun, as a matter of fact. More people have voted early in the midterm elections than ever before in history. And we're going to get into the details of that in a moment. Also, we told you that Congressman Mike Johnson is to be here at the beginning of our second hour. I got an urgent phone call this morning, and I want you to listen to this, and I want you to respond by what I'm going to suggest. He will not be with us. He and Kelly, his wife, are in the emergency room at the hospital with their son. So why don't we do something a little different? Why don't you, let's pray together right now. Let's pray for him. Father, you know your servant, Mike. You know your servant, Kelly. You know how faithful that family is. Their kids mean everything to them. And I pray pray right now that you would reach into the hospital and touch their son, whatever it is that he's there for. I pray that you would touch him. I pray that you would give uh, Kelly and Mike peace over this and they're not worried too much about it and trust in you to get the fix happening. Pray for a complete healing in your name. Amen. You know, just thinking about that, you don't, you don't hear that too often on uh, mainstream radio and TV, praying live on the air. But that's one good thing about Truth News Network. We don't rely on YouTube. We don't rely on major networks to carry our program. It's carried live direct to you. We control all of it. We stream to the internet. And Broadcast Matrix out of Seattle beams our show to 92 different countries. And they don't give a rip. We can say anything. I was just talking to a guest we're going to have here in just a few minutes. You're going to meet him. Um, his name is Billy Andrews. And, and I told him one good thing here, and maybe it was a bad thing. We had one guest, a former Trump confidant that went to jail. You probably know who I'm talking about. I won't mention his name. But he is the first and the only person that has used the F word on an interview, a live interview here at TNN Live. And, of course, legally that's okay, but we don't we don't like that kind of thing, and we don't recommend it. So, anyway, you're going to meet Billy Andrews in about 10 minutes. I'll tell you more about him in just a bit. Mike Johnson, Congressman Johnson, was going to talk to us about two things this morning. One has nothing to do with the election, but it has to do with a lot of very important things. Republicans have dropped a thousand-page report saying that the FBI is rotted at its core, that they manipulate domestic violent extremism statistics for political purposes, and they deliberately downplayed Serious allegations of wrongdoing from Hunter Biden. Now, this came, this report came from the House Judiciary Committee. Congressman Mike Johnson serves on that committee, and they released a 1,000-page report on the politicization and misconduct in the FBI. It said the FBI's rotted at the court, and they manipulated manipulated domestic violent extremist, uh, extremist statistic and downplayed all the stuff about Hunter Biden. Members of that committee, Republican members, also said whistleblowers in the FBI have come forward with serious allegations of rampant corruption, manipulation, and abuse. 
Now, this was created, this report, with no help from the Democrat majority, was released four days before the midterms late last week. It's clear, very clear, that Republicans will investigate the FBI if they retake control of the House after tomorrow's midterm elections. So in response to the report, the FBI came out and they released a statement to DailyMail.com that it follow facts, not politics. That's the advice from the FBI to the Daily Mail. Daily Mail, by the way, is a European news outlet. We follow them. We get a lot of news from them. Sometimes, and I think you'll understand, it's a shame that we have to do it this way, but we can listen to and watch some European and Asian media outlets that give us a more objective and more complete picture of what we can get from the news media and some of the government agencies directly here in the continental United States. And in this case, nobody was talking about this thousand-page report uh, released by the House Judiciary Committee last week in American media. Nobody was talking about it. But the Daily Mail was doing it. You might want to bookmark DailyMail.com. DailyMail.com. It's a great source to go to. It's not a principal source that we use, but it's a great source to go to to kind of maybe confirm some things you hear and some things you hear about here that you haven't seen in mainstream media. Go check them out. And we don't get any money from them. That's not a commercial, really. It's just telling you sometimes you get stuff there that you don't get here. Now, let me ask you this. We're going to get with uh, that that person that's going to come on today and give us a perspective on the elections tomorrow. Should we go ahead and do that now? I'm just thinking out loud. Um, we're supposed to peak, uh, speak at 915 and I, I want to really get into the election stuff. There's some very serious, very credible things that everybody needs to know about. And I want to get to that. In fact, we're going to do that in a minute. Why don't we go ahead and give him a call. And let's see if Billy is ready to speak to us. Let's see. Here we go. Two ring-a-dingies. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey, Billy, this is Dan. How are you doing? Doing good, sir. You're in a crowd? I am walking out of a crowd. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I want to appreciate you. I want to tell you how much we appreciate you coming aboard. Uh, I haven't yet told the public that are listening in who you are. gave them your name. And to be quite honest with you, I don't know a lot about you other than you're a plugged-in Georgian, and <laughs> it's critical to us. To hey, Listen, I want to get the skinny. We hear every day so much stuff about what's going on in, in uh, Georgia regarding your governor's race, uh, regarding Stacey Abrams and the allegations that she makes in that one, and then, of course, Warnock and Walker. And I wanted to speak to a Georgian who from Georgia – could tell us exactly what's going on in that race. And I heard you're the guy. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> well, 
I am a guy, if nothing else. Why don't, why don't you start at the top of this, and let's do the governor's race thing. There, there's some history there between uh, your governor and Stacey Abrams, and it's kind of poisoned the well over there. But I want to let you tell us what's really going on among the populace in Georgia about that race. Yeah, it's a good question, and uh, it's an interesting situation. This is kind of round two, right? Kemp and, uh, and Abrams and first one was insanely close um, I tell you what's going on is every time you watch TV and every time you check your mail you are just completely bombarded I mean it is uh, I don't know how the mail service is going to survive here in Georgia after this election's over they've made so much money <laughs> it's unbelievable but uh, Stacey Abrams you know caught a lot of attention last time became very popular just didn't beat Kemp, uh, but made a good run at it. But this time, that gap between last time and this time, she has really just done things in 2021 that have just shocked people and um, kind of pushed people Jordan's back. Good example would be the All-Star Game issue with the Braves. That really, really hurt her. I mean, she with that one, she put she put a black eye on every one of those minority businesses that circle that area of the stadium's in that we're going to make a lot of money. That's exactly right. And, um, you know, when you, when, when you live in a state and you have a, a, a long-term team, you've got a lot of history with that team being the brave and coming in and making a baseball game political, you know, people like their sports to be separate from politics as much as possible. You know, let's just all get together and enjoy the sport. We can argue about politics later. She brought all that. Ring, and when she did, I mean, it, it crushed businesses in that area. So many people were planning on different events. And, uh, uh, all the all that stuff that goes with an all-star game. I mean, you're talking all the media. You're talking all the players. You're talking so many people fight. It's just not a whole weekend event. And uh, when you went out and just kind of put pressure on uh, MLB to move, man, it just uh, it dropped and it it left bad taste in so many people's mouth. Not just the minority community, but obviously uh, majority community, and just business in general all through Atlanta. Everybody's affected, regardless of what um, bucket you lived in, you all were economically affected. Well, there's an old saying in media, if you're talking about the news and they're talking about you in the news, if they're talking about you even if it's negative, it's a big deal because they're talking about you. She has right. constantly been in the national news. What's going on on the ground now about her run? And as we get closer to tomorrow, is there a legitimate shot that she may have to win the governor's race? You know, I thought there was a legitimate shot until that baseball stumble. And then I don't remember exactly when it was, but she made the comment a couple months ago to do with Georgia, not great place. Yeah, I heard and that. They, yeah, and a lot of people just took back that maybe I would have voted for you, especially if they're Democrats, Democrats, or maybe in the middle. But you you mess up the All Star game politically, and that you start going around the state. It's not a good place to live. I'm going to make it better. It may have been a slip up on her end, but what you just communicated something highly negative to the Georgian. And what we're hearing, she's in trouble. All the internal polls are, are very heavy count. There's a lot of rumors on the ground, at least in our area, that she's running money. 
Um, so she, she's really fallen behind quite a bit. Well, let's let's look on the other side of this thing. Uh, Governor Kemp, he when he ran and won that race, mm-hmm. uh, there were a lot of people in the United States that really questioned him being a true conservative because some of the things that he had said. And looking back since that election, is he the guy? I mean, is he really conservative? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, he's had some him, the Lieutenant Governor of Georgia, maybe differing from Trump in some situations, and they've kind of distanced themselves from Trump. And I understand the, the strategic say. Uh, but I, I, I think he's done a good job. I think he is pretty conservative. Uh, I'll be honest, we kind of view Kemp as a mini DeSantis. Um, everybody likes to say, take a step forward and, and determine what he wants to do for Florida. And then a lot of the other Republican governors follow suit after the initial shot. You know, that's that credit to Ron DeSantis all they've done with Florida. But it feels like Georgia's kind of followed Florida a lot of way. Yeah. Because of that, he's done a good job. Uh, you know, schools open back quicker than so many other places. Our economy is good in Georgia, as, as good as it can be with inflation, right? And he's, he's done a pretty good job, and he has not stepped on any landmines. Uh, he's he, pretty clean in that. Well, let, let me ask you to do us a favor. Telephone is breaking up a little bit in the conversation here. I want to take a two-minute break and uh, get the telephone thing straightened out. Is that okay? okay? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We'll be back in two minutes. More from Billy Andrews, live from Georgia. Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Gompertz from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the French fries. Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks, fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. (gasps) We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent. Few things bring as much joy as the delicious taste of Coca-Cola. Like your first time camping or falling in love on a blind date. And now, our new Coke bottles are sip-sized and made from 100% recycled materials. So every bottle can live on to create more memories. That's endlessly refreshing. Coca-Cola. Bottles are made from 100% recycled materials excluding cap and label. Enjoy the great taste of Coca-Cola in a new sip-sized bottle that's made of 100% recycled materials. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents a word from your wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. (laughs) Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. 
When a governor can tell a president, no rally in my state, it's time for some definitive truth. Here with the goods, again, Dan Newman. It's Monday, and the day before the midterm elections, a lot of people just figured it out and voted early. A lot of people are waiting, and we're talking specifically to those people today. Probably the biggest race in the Senate run is happening in Georgia. And uh, we talked just a moment ago about the governor's race between Stacey Abrams and Brian Kemp, but we're now talking about the other side, the other big important thing, the Senate race there. On the phone with us is Billy Andrews, who is, he's plugged in 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 Georgia and understands the politics better. And we wanted to learn how Georgians are feeling about these two elections. Billy, thank you for joining us, first of all. My pleasure. And so this other race, the Senate race, I got to be honest with you, it's one of the most intriguing races that I've watched all the way back since the Louisiana race where we had the leader of the Ku Klux Klan that ran for governor against Edwin Edwards that later went to jail for corruption. Nobody could figure out who was the better of the two. And so everybody just held their noses and voted. Do you, vote, right. do you vote for a white supremacist or a criminal? <laughs> I'm not saying you're looking at the same thing, but it is very controversial. i, I yeah. got to be honest with you. I've watched Herschel Walker for years. Uh, I'm a football guy, and when he, was, when he spurned the draft by the NFL to go into the, oh, shoot, the other conference, and he was— USFL. Yeah, USFL, yeah. and he played on Donald Trump's team there. Um I thought maybe that was a bad decision, but, you know, as it turned out, it was a good decision for him. He made a lot of money there, and then when it folded, he went to the NFL and made a lot of money. But he was a great running back, and uh, you didn't hear anything over here anyway or elsewhere in the U.S. about Herschel Walker for many years until the Senate race came up. I want to get your opinion and thoughts on Herschel, and then we'll flip over to the other side of the race. What are you hearing people say in Georgia about this race as it pertains to Herschel Walker? Well, it's, it's, you know, it's really interesting, Dan, the, uh, Walker is such a celebrity in Georgia. I mean, Heisman trophy winner, national championship running back, uh, university of Georgia. He is beloved by all people in that sense. Um, but you're right. He doesn't have much experience. He's been in the business world at different times and things like that, but never from a real political standpoint. And I think the connection with Trump from way back in the day kind of moved him. And when he, his name started being floated out that he was thinking about this run, I think it took a lot of Georgians by surprise. It was kind of, Oh, we love Herschel. Oh, I'm not sure if we want Herschel being our candidate. And there was, there was, you know, probably a little tension with that, but I'll be honest at the same time, Georgia didn't do a great job the last time around from the Republican Party putting somebody in place that people could rally around. And that's one of the reasons why Warnock ended up winning last time. So they needed somebody that had mass appeal, a popular name, um, and that was beloved in so many ways and maybe didn't have a skeleton of a closet from the political side of things. And Herschel kind of fit that bill. He sure Um, has plenty in the closet, non-political things. That's exactly right. And, you know, everybody's vetted. Um, I'm wondering how that vetting process went with him on the on the personal side. So, you know, Warnock has really pounced on that. And I, and I will say a lot of people knew 
about this about Herschel, and he's really struggled. He's been open for years before he even thought about going to the political arena about some of his emotional struggles, his mental struggles, uh, marriage problems, things of that nature. So it's not really a shock. We've all kind of known that. Um, it doesn't look good for him, of course, uh, but most people kind of knew a little bit about him. Before, before you go, this before you go further, let me just ask you this, Billy. Um, I think it's, um, I think it's really a stupid thing that we Americans have done in political races for decades, if not longer than that. And that is, we want to look, we want for every office that we vote for, we want whoever we're going to vote for running for that office to be perfect in their mm-hmm. private and personal lives. No bad news in the past, nothing like bankruptcies, certainly nothing like, uh, you know, getting a woman pregnant and then paying for an abortion, those kind of things. We want them to be perfect. I have yet to meet only one person that was perfect, and that was Jesus Christ. The rest of us have baggage. (laughs) That's exactly right. uh, Yeah, you you know, it's sad that that's kind of the standard. We want them to be, you know, peachy clean and perfect, like you said, but at the same time, the goal of both parties is to dig up as much dirt because there is nobody perfect, and um, you have to weigh the bad and the good. And and I will say I'm not defending all of Herschel's past by any stretch, but a lot of the attack ads that – or in Georgia right now from Warnock about Herschel and gun violence and former espouse that was all known and seen. And it was in a story of his redemption and him changing his life. So it's kind of like you listen to somebody's testimony where they start talking about how horrible and bad they were. And then that's the clip Warnock's team has used. They don't use the other half of the clip, which tells about his redemption and how he's changed his life. That's exactly what I wanted to hear from you is what Georgians have been seeing and hearing because the rest of the nation, all we're hearing is about the bad stuff. That's right. That's right. And they, of course, you conveniently leave out anything that's redemptive at that point. And the flip side, you know, I know we'll talk about Warnock second, but his past is pretty sketchy too. Sure. And uh, Herschel's team has really pounced on him and his issue with his ex-wife and trying to run her over with a car. And so it's a, I don't know if you have to hold your breath and hold your nose when you go vote, like you said, but um, I'll be honest, this, this issue between Walker and Warnock really is an issue, a bigger issue of rubber stamping. Do you want to rubber stamp Biden's agenda? And all that he's doing or not doing, or do you want to try to stop some of that agenda? You're that's right. really what this is about. I think you're right. I want to switch over and talk specifically about Raphael Warnock. He is the senior pastor still at Ebenezer Baptist Church. That was where Martin Luther King Jr. either he spoke there often or he was right. involved in the ministry there. But it's a very famous Southern right. Baptist Church and has been for many years, a big church too. Um, it seems like every week more and more bad or negative news comes out specifically regarding Warnock and the church. Uh, there's a new story out this morning in the free beacon that, I mean, it just excoriates Warnock for personal things alone and what his church has done on his watch regarding a bunch of real estate that they own. And we're going to get into that after our interview with you, the specifics that came out this morning. But he's got a lot of laundry that's pretty dirty in his closet, too. No, he exactly does. You know, it goes back to what we just mentioned about his, uh, I guess, ex-wife now and their their mishap they had in domestic violence. And then a lot of a lot of shady stuff is being presented about 
when he's as a pastor in, in that church. And I tell you, it's, it's tricky. If you're going to be a minister, then be a minister. If you're going to get in politics, then you need to be a politician. Uh, trying to bridge that gap and use that phrase reverend uh, really really does the, the ministry a disservice. Uh, and he's trying to bridge that gap. And he did a good job last time around because he, he presented himself as a, a caring pastor trying to do politics, really was able to reach out to the not just the suburbia area, but the small towns all through South Georgia. And that's ultimately how he ended up winning with the votes. But this time with Herschel's name in South Georgia, I don't think he gets those same amount of votes that he did. And um, it uh, there's a lot of mistrust with him. Um, he seems to be an empty suit to a lot of people. He just kind of looked kind of the look of the draw. He, he got to go against somebody that was not very personable and he was able to act personable. And so he ended up getting that spot. And um, I think a lot of Jordan's Georgians just, they know he's one of our senators, but there's not a lot of affection for him. He's just another guy. And it, it seems a little shady at times. Do you have a gut feeling about the election tomorrow? I think Kemp wins strong. Um, that's everything that we're seeing. I think the Walker Warnock comes down to the wire and um, probably a toss up. Uh, the attack ads, I'll give you an example. This past weekend, of course, everybody in the state of Georgia was watching Georgia, Tennessee. Oh, yeah. And my wife looked over at me in the first quarter and said, will you do me a favor? And I'm thinking, sure, what do you need? And she said, every time it goes to commercial, please hit mute. <laughs> because that that really was all that there was, was a back and forth attack ads for yeah. both guys. I mean, they, they yeah. spent all their money for that. I think it's going to be close, and both have damning past to some degree. But as I said, this is about Washington, D.C., keeping the Biden uh, process going or trying to slow it down. That's what this is about. I think that neither of those two candidates has been successful at making it about just them. Uh, right. The, um, the big issue, as you just mentioned, is the status quo or change the status quo. That's right. And that resonates with the American people because of all the bad that's going on. And I won't even get into all that stuff with you. Uh, Have you you got five more minutes? Sure, yeah. I want to get your spin on a couple of the other races. The biggest one besides yours, I think, is in Pennsylvania, Dr. Oz and Mm. the uh, Fetterman, Fetterman, who... I got to be honest with you. He reminds me of Lurch. You remember that? Yes. Yeah. He looks just like him and I'm not being derogatory and he plays that he plays off that he's six, mm-hmm. eight and he wears those black or gray hoodies all the time. You hardly ever see him in a suit. My son's six, nine and, uh, it's easy for these guys to stand out. They don't have to do anything special, but I think Fetterman, he enjoys that. Dr. Oz, on the other hand, we don't need to talk about his persona because everybody knows him from his television career. Right. How do you read that race? I think it's I think it's a sad state of Pennsylvania and what the battle of Washington really, because he is not fit. Listen, he's not he's not fit to work at a grocery store. 
you can you can look at them. <laughs> How do you really sad, feel? Right? How do you really feel? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it, I'm, and I'm talking strictly health wise. I know it's I know. sad to watch somebody on there try to form sentences that cannot because of his medical condition. And I don't know what the rules were in Pennsylvania. If you can sub somebody in, you know, I have no idea. Uh, it, it's just sad. And Pennsylvanians should be scared to death because Biden just came out and, and talked about eliminating all coal factories and, you know, moving the energy sector. And it just, it's going to destroy their entire state. And he's rubber stamping what Biden is trying to do. And it's just it's sad. And uh, it's shame on the Democrat Party for forcing that person in that position um but uh i i don't think he wins i don't think in good conscience if you're an independent or a slight lean democrat there's no way in good conscience you can vote for somebody you know will not survive in that position i was shocked i was completely shocked because mansion he's he survived his last couple of races Mm-hmm. And nobody can understand how he's the only Democrat in the state of Pennsylvania. It seems like him and Federer right. now, and I think Manchin is a loser. I think he has ended his career by what he has done regarding legislation that uh, Biden has passed. Um, but I see Fetterman as a failure. I think it's a walkaway election myself. I really do. I think the numbers are going to be far greater for Dr. Oz than anybody's expecting now. Well, I, I, you know, I hope you're right from the Pennsylvania side. You know, I'll be honest, and I don't want to go too far down it, but I remember around 1230, Trump was winning by about half a million votes in Pennsylvania, and then everybody went to bed, <laughs> and he woke up at five, and he was losing. Well, everybody so, didn't go to bed. The ones that were manipulating the votes stayed up late that night. Right. They had work to do. That's when they started working, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, they were working through the night, and I stayed up watching it, going, "This is bad." You could just feel it; something was off. Right? Well, we can't, um, we can't, we can't ridicule Pennsylvania a lot when we're talking about Georgia because it looked like some of the same stuff was going on in your state. Well, a pipe, a pipe burst in downtown, in one of the buildings, all of a sudden they stopped. You know, counting. I'm thinking, you realize how big a facility that is? One pipe it's burst. It's massive. Is not do yeah, well, I've been there numerous times. Yeah, it's, uh, it's as soon as I heard that, I'm telling you. I knew I said the fix is in <laughs> this is this is ridiculous but yeah it's just it's a sad state of affairs in Pennsylvania I don't know if Oz was the greatest selection but Trump backed him and I'm not sure the whole reason I'll tell you why Oz should win because Oprah made Oz yeah it hurt and now she won't back him that tells me everything I need to know so I hope Oz wins <laughs> so I'm I want to I want to go in one more place before you get away um I want to talk to you about the SEC. Is Georgia <laughs> is Georgia going to do it again? Well, I, you know, I'm surrounded by Georgia fans. Yeah. I am not a Georgia fan. Oh, so, no. No, uh, no, 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 no. So I have to be very careful, but uh, I think they will. I mean, they are – Kirby's done an incredible job. Uh, Alabama doesn't seem to be elite like they have been. They're just a notch below. But you, you get Tennessee – in a neutral environment, say in the college football playoff with no rain in a dome, it could be a better game. But Georgia definitely is a clear number one. Okay. Well, you know, I'm in the West, and uh, you saw what LSU did over the weekend to Alabama. Uh, listen, I, I'm going to tell you this. Brian Kelly seemed like a weird hire, and he didn't fit the culture, but he didn't forget how to coach. Let me just say this. These Cajuns here, 
when he did what he did in that overtime and oh. Alabama scored first and, you know, they kicked for the extra point and then LSU comes down and scores and calls timeout, I knew if Kelly was going to prove to Louisianians that he's a Cajun, he would have to go for two. Yes. <laughs> and when he did, I promise you, they have him walking down the streets of Baton Rouge today with Jesus Christ himself. Oh, listen, they, he, he got, he went from, uh, should we have this as a coach to <laughs> let's go ahead and make a statue of him on that play call. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's going to do an incredible job that any, any game at night in that stadium is just special. And this has come from a guy that has no affection to LSU, but I would watch every night game at LSU because it's just, it's the epitome of college football. Well, um, I can't let you get away by asking, without asking you who you do support. <laughs> Ironically, I'm a Miami Hurricanes fan. So I, I would like to say on all the Miami fans around the world, if you could just leave us alone for the rest of the year and don't talk to us, we're, we're dealing with stuff and uh, we'll get it right next year. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Well, that's, that, that's a great way to end it. I will say this. I was at the AT&T Dome when uh, Joe Burrow played his first game for LSU. Against and, Miami. Yeah, the oh. visiting team was Miami. And, that's right. And LSU beat Miami. I'm sorry about that. No, that was not a shocker to us. Trust me. <laughs> hey, Billy Andrews, I thank you so much for taking the time to give us the skinny. You've got my phone number. I'll open it up for you anytime you want to call and talk to our audience. Got something important to talk about. Feel free to call. Wonderful. I appreciate it so much. You're doing a great job, man. Thanks, buddy. Have a good one. Well, Georgia is uh, is deep on everybody's mind and heart about this upcoming election. The governor's race, although it's just a governor race, it's not just a race. Governor's elections now have become almost as important as congressional elections. So you heard the skinny. That's a Georgian talking about their two big races tomorrow. And there's so much more we have to talk about. Elections, and don't forget this, life goes on outside of elections. We've got it all for you. Stay here. Back after this. And by the way, if, if I forgot to thank you for listening to TNN Live and sharing with us. Real truth, real news, TNN. The Truth News Network. Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy, made with premium ingredients, zero sugar, and seven essential vitamins, with no high-fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives, and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you. We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there? Yeah. They can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra $100 off every $9.99 they spend. It's a tough choice. But they've been in there for six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. The I'm crazy hungry, so she's got to be too. Slide through the Mickey D's drive-thru to get a Big Mac. Right after I order her quarter pounder with cheese, because I don't know everything, but I do know what my girl's feeling hangry meal. 
Get it at McDonald's when you buy one of your faves, like the Big Mac, quarter pounded with cheese, 10-piece chicken McNuggets, or filet of fish, and get another for just a dollar. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Valid on item of equal or lesser value. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. We're thankful for Billy Andrews and him sharing his thoughts about the upcoming elections tomorrow, specifically in Georgia where he lives, but also in Pennsylvania. While we were talking on the air, James Posey sent a text regarding his thoughts on the looks of John Fetterman. James said, Fetterman looks like a gang member and an (laughs) ex-con. I got to be honest with you. He's a big man, 6'8". Uh, I think he weighs about 280, 300 pounds. I wouldn't want to be in prison with him getting mad at me. A guy that big could do some damage. If you joined us looking for our interview with Congressman Mike Johnson, I got an early call this morning from his office telling me that he wouldn't be able to do the interview. His son, his and Kelly, his wife's son, they had to rush to the emergency room. And there's an issue there. We played, we prayed for it live, for his son live on the air. And um, Taylor, his spokesperson, uh, he told us he would let us know when they get the results on the boy. And we'll, we'll give you that information. Maybe not the details, but tell you how he's doing. But thank you all for your prayers. That's a big deal. So what else is going on? Well, as you know, we do have elections all across the nation. Some of the biggies that we like to talk about besides those two going on in Georgia, one that is, it's kind of been mind-boggling to me, it's Ohio, the Senate race up in Ohio. Now, Ohio has always been kind of a blue-collar state, but of late, the people in Ohio have really become conservatives up there. So in this race, a member of the House of Representatives from Ohio, Tim Ryan, he decided to drop his seat in the House and jump over and try to win that vacancy in the Senate. His opponent is Republican J.D. Vance. So what Tim Ryan has been doing is portraying himself, now he's a Democrat, portraying himself to be the Donald Trump candidate for the Senate in Ohio. Now, obviously Trump has not endorsed Tim Ryan. As a matter of fact, lately, J.D. Vance, the Republican there, Donald Trump, has picked him. So, late last night, Trafalgar did another poll, and their poll last night shows that 53.9% of voters in Ohio are going to support Vance, compared to 43.5% who say they're going to support Tim Ryan. Now, that, i got to be honest with you, a 10-point lead two days before an election, a 10-point lead is almost always 
insurmountable. The poll was of 1,123 likely election voters, and they did the polling between November 3rd and 5th with a 3% margin of error and a 95% confidence level. So based on that, based upon, uh, listen to this, we got to remind you, based upon what those 1,200 people had to say, it looks like, at least in Ohio, the Republicans going to win the Senate race. So here's the big question on everybody's mind. It is mine has been based upon everything we watched happen two years ago in the general election. You remember that? Billy Andrews, he pointed it out, you know, late at night, a pipe broke in the big uh, uh, arena complex over in Georgia and they told us the pipe broke and so they had to cut down for the night their election vote counting. Trump was ahead by a bunch and then when the lights came on the next morning, uh uh-oh, Donald Trump was way behind. So when will the results of the midterms be in? The ones that are confirmed to be real. It could take just hours or it could take a month or so for the control of Congress, either house, both houses, for us to be known. Dozens of races throughout the U.S. are expected to be close. Experts say it may take up to a month to know which party will be in control. Now, whichever party wins won't take control until January. Of course, the Democrats already have control. Earliest results can be skewed by mail-in ballots which states that count mail-in ballots early reporting more Democrat-favored results. Those that don't count mail-in ballots until Election Day, they're going to rely more heavily on votes cast in person, which tends to be Republican. And though it's just one day away, it may take Americans up to a month for us to get a seat, figure out what's going to happen. All 435 seats in the House are up for grabs, as are 35 U.S. Senate seats and 36 governorships. So, what do the Republicans need to do? They need to pick up five seats, at least, to take a majority in the House, but just one to control the Senate, where it's a 50-50 Republican-Democrat tie right now. Nonpartisan election forecasters and polls say Republicans have a very strong chance of winning a House majority, with control of the Senate likely to be closer fought as voters say they are most concerned about the economy. A massive wave of Republican support could lead to declarations of victory hours after the polls close. But with dozens of races expected to be close and key states like Pennsylvania already warning it could take days to count every ballot. Experts say there's a good chance Americans go to bed on election night again without knowing who won. When it comes to knowing the results, we should move away from talking about election day and think instead about election week. That's a quote from Nathan Gonzalez, who publishes the nonpartisan newsletter Inside Elections. Now, let me just say this. Everybody is predicting, everybody is predicting something. And often, as you know, everybody (laughs) is not all the time right. So when you hear about the polls 
and somebody who's giving you that polling information, I think you'll agree with me, this is the truth about what we hear and see. Those that tell us this is going to happen, how do they say that? They want us to think, us, the listening and viewing audience and reading audience, they want us to think that they know more than we know. So if they say it's so, just because who they are, we got to believe that it's so. Let me give you a few examples. We talked about in Georgia, Raphael Warnock running against Herschel Walker. Raphael Warnock is a Democrat. So here are the, here are the numbers in that race today, right now today. Warnock, 46.8%. Herschel Walker, 47.2%. Do you understand how skinny that margin of quote-unquote victory is right now? It's four-tenths of 1%. And then out in Arizona, Blake Masters, the Republican running against the incumbent, Mark Kelly. Kelly's a Democrat. Listen to these numbers today in Arizona, polling numbers. Mark Kelly, the incumbent. to Blake Masters, 47.2%. So if you trust the polling results and those results represent fairly the state of Arizona and what Arizonans think, Mark Kelly is 1.6% ahead of Blake Masters. And then we have Nevada, the Democrat, Catherine Cortez Masto, she polls at 45%. Adam Laxalt, the Republican, he polls at 50%. 50 to 45. Now, Masto is the incumbent. Adam Laxalt is running against her. He's a Republican, and he has a five-point lead. And then we talked about Pennsylvania with Billy Andrews, John Fetterman, the Democrat, He's polling at 46.9%. Dr. Oz at 47.1%. Now, I got to be honest, those are, those are not all the swing states, but those are four of the big swing states. And it's crazy how close these races are. Now, I have always had an opinion about polls. I've gotten lots of telephone calls. And uh, I used to... I used to go through them. I would follow up and go through the callers and give them my honest to true thoughts. But then I began to watch. And often the polls are wrong. And so we started truthnewsnetwork.org, our website, publishing stories. And the next election cycle, the major one that came along was the 2016 race. So what I did is I saved the list of the polling anticipated results. I saved those for election day in 2016. And I mean, I'm talking about 35 polling agencies. Only one of them predicted Donald Trump was going to win the presidency. Who was that? We're going to share that with you tomorrow on election day. But let me just say this. It's not always, it's not always like the polling agencies give us. So if you look at one poll, as we said, Herschel Walker's up, 
Another shows that Warnock is up by two points. And this poll was conducted October 23rd to November 2nd. That's by Trafalgar Group, a very reputable polling company. They said Walker leads Warnock, 48.9 to 46 points cent. While Libertarian candidate Chase Oliver trails far behind, he has 4.6% of support. Herschel has been steadily overtaking Warnock since that first debate when he performed exceptionally well. And so leading up to the race tomorrow, Walker's closing message has been attacking Raphael Warnock for his extremist stance on energy. Walker said this yesterday, when you have a president talking about the biggest threat to democracy, it seems to be to electing a Republican. But I want everyone that is listening to me, the biggest threat to democracy is to have Raphael Warnock at the White House. And the biggest threat to democracy is to have one somebody like Warnock that voted against our Keystone Pipeline, which put us in an international threat. I think right now there's a threat and it's a security threat. We're going into our enemies to ask for energy. That's a threat. That's the biggest threat to democracy there. And also putting men and women's sports, which he voted for, the biggest threat to democracy is having the people, the Democrats right now leading this country, because they seem to be taking this country in the wrong direction. And I think America sees that, and they know that. You know, sometimes... Sometimes it's, it's better that these candidates out there don't have a lot of interviews, don't do a lot of debates, because in those circumstances, often facts come out. Facts come out. And sometimes, to be quite honest with you, some of these candidates, they don't want the facts out there. If I was Raphael Warnock, oh my gosh, I'd be scared to death. I mentioned when we had Billy Andrews on the phone a little bit ago about a story that is out there that came out this morning. Uh, It's from the Free Beacon. And let me see if I can find that. When I saw it, I was like, oh my gosh, I couldn't believe that this is happening. I'd heard, we all had heard about the problem at that housing development that Warnock's church owns, the Ebenezer Baptist Church, And then this story came out this morning. Listen to this. A maintenance man was charged with brutally murdering a tenant in one of these buildings. A sex offender was sleeping in the hallways. And a dead body was left in an apartment for days. And when it was found, it was covered in flies. These are just a couple of uh, stories about the living conditions in apartments owned by Raphael Warnack's church that were gathered from interviews with residents and hundreds of pages of Atlanta Police Department, Fire Department, and court records that the Washington Free Beacon got their hands on. Atlanta cops and firefighters have been called to Columbia Tower and the Columbia Senior Residence at MLK Village in Atlanta hundreds of times since 2020, the record show. And that's the year the church bought these. Responding officers have seen corpses and people trapped in elevators as well as fights, burglaries, car thefts. Both buildings are owned by the Ebenezer Baptist Church. Warnock is the senior pastor there. Also, it was learned that Columbia Tower Management 
hired a convicted murderer now charged with killing a female tenant who lived with him at Columbia Senior Residence, which is just across the street from the apartment building. They hired a guy who killed his girlfriend. He was a maintenance guy who was living in the senior building, and he had a record already, one resident said. Why would you hire a person like that who has keys to the building? I understand second chances, but this person already had a background in murdering someone, and you give him keys to our apartment? Now think about that. (laughs) The records, I don't think I need to tell you this, could pose problems for Warnock. He's up against Herschel Walker in the Atlanta Senate race. Crime is one of Atlanta voters' big concerns heading into the midterms tomorrow. Homicides have increased in Atlanta by at least 60% since 2019. 60%. That's crazy. And Warnock, he's advocated publicly for softer crime policies, including cash bail. He's criticized the American prison system as a scandal of the soul of America and called to end mass incarceration. He also championed safe housing during his time in the Senate, saying earlier this year that housing is dignity. (laughs) But you just heard some of the stats coming from the two residencies that he bought on behalf of the church where he's the senior pastor. Police have been called at Columbia Tower, Columbia Senior Residences, over 150 times since January. The the calls are in response to allegations of larceny, fighting, criminal trespassing. The fire department has gotten called to Columbia Tower 153 times since January, sometimes to rescue people that were trapped or stranded because of broken elevators. Firefighters also reported making gruesome discoveries at the apartment building. They found that body that we were talking about. The person was stiff as a board. His jaw was locked. That's the report. And the reason it was even discovered was there was a welfare check called into the fire department on a resident who was missing for three days. As Billy Andrews said when he was on the show with us just a little bit ago, um, it's not good. It's not good in Atlanta. It's, It's not good for Raphael Warnock. And the reason he is held in such regard, good regard, mostly by African-American people in Georgia, is because of his skin color only. There's no substance there in my mind, just based on the few things that we know. There's no substance there, certainly, that would warrant him being elected, re-elected to that position in the Senate. On the other side, Herschel Walker's got baggage, but he, through the years, has been very public about problems that he had. And he met Jesus. He tells us since he met Jesus, and his saying this was confirmed by a lot of people around him, but he's put all of that behind him, and he's lived clean. He's doing the right stuff. I know. Polls are people's opinions, and we all have opinions, and we know about our opinions and what their values are. So last night, I was kind of shocked. A lot of the uh, Fox folks that are 
nighttime and even daytime show uh, talents. They worked yesterday, and I'm, I'm sure it's because it was election time. Sean Hannity, he had Carrie Lake and Blake Masters on out of Arizona. Carrie Lake is running for the governorship, Blake Masters for a Senate seat. Let's listen in to that conversation. All right, we head now to the state of Arizona. Republican gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake and Senate candidate Blake Masters, they are continuing to put Democrats into panic mode. And there he was, the anointed one, Barack Obama, out in Arizona, pretty angry on the campaign trail this time, campaigning against them earlier today. Here with reaction, gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake. She has a, a pretty big lead over her opponent and also Blake Masters, who got some great news this week. Not only did the libertarian that was running for the Senate in Arizona drop out of the race, but the, that libertarian candidate endorsed Blake Masters. Uh, good to see you both. Carrie, let me start with you. I'm sure you're all upset that Barack Obama went out there to <laughs> campaign against you. Oh, first it was Liz Cheney last week, and I just laughed that off, and now I'm living rent-free in Barack Obama's mind, and then Eric Holder today. But I was a little concerned today, I'm going to be honest, when I saw Hillary Clinton bad-mouthing me, <laughs> and she, lo she looked angry and actually scared and, and uh, just uh, completely unrelated. I want you to know, just in case you're wondering, I'm in perfect health, my brakes on my car are in good shape, and I'm not suicidal. And we're going to win this thing on Tuesday. <laughs> I, I think one of the things that has endeared you to the people of Arizona and around the country is you got a great sense of humor and you got a good comeback for everything. Uh, Blake Masters, this is big news for you because, look, in the polls that I was seeing, it was four, five, six percent the Libertarian was drawing. Um, those are votes against Mark Kelly. Mark Kelly is a rubber stamp for all things Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden. He has been on the forefront of, of supporting every bit of the agenda that they are advocating, and he hasn't lifted a finger to secure the border uh, in your state. I would say now that you are the odds-on favorite because of this uh, endorsement. This is a big deal. It is a big deal, Sean. And, um, you know, I'm honored that the Libertarian candidate, I think he graciously bowed out, honored to have his endorsement. It's a good boost of momentum here. And we've got all the momentum in this race. Mark Kelly, he's floundering. He is desperate. I think Katie Hobbs is desperate, too. They're so desperate, they don't want to talk about their own ideas. They don't want to talk about their own track record. So what do they do? They dust off Barack Obama. They drag this guy out of retirement to come and distract everybody, right? And he talks about how I we're dangerous. I think the reason he's Blake angry Masters, is because Lake. he likes his schedule. He doesn't feel like working every day. He, you know, he's mad that he has to get up and do the, the work because Joe Biden can't do it. And nobody wants to be he seen He barely showed Joe. up. They almost filled a high school gymnasium. They almost filled a high school gym. <laughs> I mean, it was low energy. It was pathetic. Uh, you know. Bring it you on. know, Kari, you said something that you take up a lot of space in people's heads. It's that a lot of politicians are afraid to speak their mind. You're not. And that, I think, has defined your race because I think the people in Arizona find it refreshing, frankly. Yeah, I think people, Sean, are tired of being silenced by the news, tired of being silenced by big tech, tired of uh, worrying about if they speak common sense, they're going to be canceled. And I'm seeing a lot of people who are just saying, this is the time for us to stand up and speak out. If we don't, it's going to be too late. And and that's why we're seeing in our polling, the Latinos are coming our way, the soccer moms are coming our way, the suburban moms are coming our way, because they're worried about real issues like crime, the wide open 
open border, the fentanyl crisis, the brainwashing of their kids in school, and they realize this is the election when we can finally solve these problems. You know, one of the things that I noticed when I was out in Arizona with both of you is that, you know, you're, you're very much like a team. What, Kari, what you're going to do on the state level and, Blake, what you'll do in Washington uh, really will complement, you know, service for the people in Arizona. You don't see that in every state. I, we just had it. We just saw it with uh, Governor Sununu and, and General Bolduck, who's now leading in that race, uh, which is a surprise to a lot of people. But if you win your race, if Bolduck wins, if Herschel wins, if Oz wins, um, I mean, this could be a blowout. Uh, but yet they're all very close races. Blake, what's your take? You know, I think we could easily end up with 54 Senate seats here, if not more. And it is important, right? When I'm in the Senate, I'm going to be working with Governor Carrie Lake. You know, Carrie Lake's going to pull power back from Washington, D.C. to the states. Well, I'm going to help uh, push that power back from, you know, from D.C. to the states. We have to work together. It helps that we're friends. It helps that we're uh, running on this America first agenda. Right. And our opponents are so bad. Katie Hobbs is probably the worst candidate in the country. Second, <laughs> maybe really only to John Fetterman in Pennsylvania. <laughs> I agree. And Mark Kelly's right there with them. I mean, this guy votes in lockstep for Joe Biden's agenda. What kind of guy promises the good people of Arizona to be an independent only to get to D.C. and surrender to Chuck Schumer yeah. and vote for open borders and fentanyl and 300,000 illegals coming through every month? Sorry, this guy needs to be fired. And that's what we're going to do next Tuesday. You get the last 20 seconds. Kari Lake. Well, I, I think we have a real opportunity, Arizona, to get things back on track here. Everyone wants a secure border. Everybody wants safe streets. And they know I'm going to be working for the people of Arizona. Thank you, Sean, for having us on. It's great to have you. This election is simple. It's about inflation. It's about record high gas prices, open borders. It's about defund, dismantle, no bail laws, safety and security for the American people. It's about woke education or reading, writing, math, science and history and computers. It's that simple. Uh, Blake, thank you. Kari, thank you. Both of those people, Kerry Lakes and Blake Masters, if they are elected, they will bring about some massive changes in their state, Arizona. And of course, that transitions because of the governors and the power governors have of all 50 of our states. It's not just their states, but it laps over. State boundaries don't necessarily stop all of the policies from one state affecting other states. That's an important thing. And obviously, Blake Masters, as a U.S. senator from Arizona, would be epic. So we'll keep our fingers crossed there. Well, we've got a lot more stuff to talk about. And uh, let's do this. Herschel Walker was out at a campaign rally. I don't, I don't know if you have seen or heard Herschel Walker where he has an open microphone and he's just talking to people. I was drawn to this particular video where Herschel is up on stage by himself and he's talking to people that are there. And remember, he's an African-American, born and raised in Georgia, went to the University of Georgia, Heisman Trophy winner, was an NFL star. He's a football guy. He's not a politician. Kind of like um, one guy that came to the political scene after being successful in private practice, and nobody thought he could win. Why? Because he wasn't a politician. Here's Herschel Walker. Just listen in. Make your own observations. 
Wait a minute, let's talk about this. Y'all seen this border? Yes. Our vice president said this border is secured. Do y'all believe that? So I want to ask Senator one now, is this you believe what our vice president said? Because no one seemed to want to talk about this border. They're still sure talking about me a lot. They don't seem to want to talk about this border because they don't want to talk about it because it's their fault. It's their fault because two years since they've been in office, this is what has happened to this country. And yet they're asking for six more years. Are you kidding me? Six more years? We couldn't recover. Y'all know that. We couldn't recover from this. We got to get leaders in Washington that are going to do the right thing. In my football career, the coach you said do right. So that's what I'm telling them right now. Do right. Straighten up. Straighten up, Senator. Get that saddle off your bike. Don't let Joe Biden and them ride your bike telling you what to do. Because I can tell you right now, Herschel Walker don't dance and sing for nobody. And I never have. And I never will. Because I'm here to fight for my family. I'm here to fight for Georgia. And I told him I didn't want to be a politician. I don't play golf. I don't eat lunch. I don't eat supper. I don't eat with them. I don't eat what they eat because I'm here to represent the people, not to be hanging out. It's we the people, and that's what it should be about. We the people, not no Democrat, not no Republican. It's we the people. We got to quit fighting among each other. They want to keep you fighting. You heard him. He said the most the deadliest threat to this democracy is to elect people in the Republican Party. Is he confused or something? The deadly threat to this democracy is him being in the White House. The deadly threat to this democracy is having Senator Warnock vote that would continue to ruin this economy. The deadly threat is to have him to vote to put men and women in sports. That's the deadly threat to this democracy because we are the democracy. Do y'all get it? When we get out to speak it out, when we get out to do our vote, we're the democracy. And he's trying to fool you guys. Like they're the one that's doing it. Guys, don't listen to him. Don't let him take you down in that elevator. I'm telling you, that's a different way. That's a totally different way. But the only way we're going to get it, we got to come together. The only way we're going to get it, we got to get out and vote. The only way we're going to get it, you got to tell your friends to vote. The only way you're going to get it, you got to vote in the Republican side because the Democrat people don't seem to care. They don't seem to care about this country. Can you believe that? How do you care about America? I heard make America great again was a bad slogan. Yet they live in America. If you live in America, shouldn't you want it to be good? Because I do. I'm like Ricky Bobby. If I'm not first, I don't want to be last. And now it's time for us to get back to being that. Isn't it time for us to be good to one another? That's what, that, wait, 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 wait a minute. I heard this preacher the other day talking about they don't need a walker, they need a runner. Like, uh, my last name, Walker, but he never seen me run, has he? I can run, and he don't know that I'm taking Jesus Christ to Washington with me. He can block, and I can run. <laughs> Colloquialism there by a native Georgian, Herschel Walker. I just wanted to make sure you had a chance to listen to the guy for yourself and make your decisions based upon what you heard and what you've seen and you've seen him in some debates you've seen him in interviews on television but you just heard about five minutes where he's just talking to people people relate to that I'm tired of politicians talking at me the one reason we have Mike Johnson on this show often is because personally I know him but secondly He cuts to the chase. I haven't heard him pontificate in any interview he's done here in the last several years. Herschel Walker's just like that. They have a little different messaging, but the content is the same, and the integrity and the honesty is the same. We can relate to that. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... 
Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm a Verizon engineer, and today we're turning on 5G across the country, including right here in New York City. With the coverage of 5G nationwide and in more and more cities, the unprecedented performance of ultra-wideband. It will change your phone and how businesses do everything. I'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way. We built it right. This is the 5G America's been waiting for, only from Verizon. 5G ultra-wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus cities. Square Packages, the packaging specialists, are proud to present a box on both your houses. The untold story of the invention of the box and the family rivalry that nearly destroyed it. It's a tale about opening your heart, finding acceptance, and inventing the most efficient means of shipping and packaging that mankind has ever known. Proving that to find what's in your soul, you have to look outside the box and into another box, which is a house your home. And that truly is the greatest box of all. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 for this once-in-a-week-time television event, A Box on Both Your Houses, presented by Square Packages, the packaging specialists. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. You cannot legislate the poor into freedom by legislating the wealthy out of freedom. What one person receives without working for, another person must work for it without receiving. The government cannot give to anybody anything that the government does not first take from someone else. When half of the people in the country get the idea they don't have to work, because the other half is going to take care of them. And then when the other half gets the idea that it does no good to work because somebody else is going to get what they work for, that's the beginning of the end of a nation. And finally, you cannot multiply wealth by dividing it. Some good thoughts for us on election eve. And that's what we're looking for. Good thoughts, at least true thoughts, and information. There's some news coming out early this morning out of the White House. Former Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, who now serves in the Biden White House as Senior Advisor for Public Engagement, yesterday on MSNBC's The Sunday Show said this, there is definitely a target towards African-American men with mis- information. Saturday on MSNBC, Georgia Democrat gubernatorial nominee Stacey Abrams said, and I'll quote her, what we know is that the untold story of this tight race that is neck and neck by 52% over 2018, I do not believe it's because of a deep well of enthusiasm for my important, for my opponent. We know black voters are often discounted. This year we know black men or a very targeted population for misinformation. So the anchor, Jonathan Capehart, 
stepped in and said, I'm just wondering Stacey Abrams' focus on the misinformation being targeted on black men. It makes me wonder, is she not getting the black support that she needs in her race against the incumbent Governor Brian Kemp? And Bottom said, listen, Jonathan, I think that Stacey is spot on with that. I listen as my kids watch NBA highlights and whatever else they watch on YouTube, I hear the misinformation being piped in. My 12-year-old, my 14-year-old, my 20-year-old are getting it. There's definitely a target towards African-American men, not just to give them misinformation, but to make them so discouraged that they won't show up to vote. And again, I have been a candidate before. I've been in this position before. Going into my race as a mayor five years ago, I was seven points down in the polls going into the week of the election. And I won by more than 800 votes because people showed up to vote. Now, the reason I wanted to bring you that story was what she said, the former mayor said. Everybody's bringing up instances, you know, her sons and YouTube. She watches all of the NBA highlights. I got to be honest with you. I watch those things. I look at YouTube a lot for this show. I can't tell you how much time I spend looking at things that have a political tilt because of what we do here at TNN Live. But I got to be honest with you. I don't see. I don't see where on any of the stuff that I see on television, the NBA, other YouTube stories and things that are posted there, I don't see anything that can verify that African-American men are being targeted with misinformation. Now, I'm not saying they're not being targeted with misinformation, but it's not happening as the former mayor of Atlanta said, uh, Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, that's not happening on NBA games, not happening on NBA highlights. I watch them. In fact, I watch the highlights on ESPN. I learned a long time ago, if you're an NBA fan, in almost every game you can watch the last five minutes and you can see how the game is going to come out because most of the time it's back and forth until the very end. So I don't necessarily see the whole games very often, but I see the highlights. She said the highlights are directed towards African-American men and targeted with them using misinformation. Is this just a situation where a candidate for Georgia governor, Stacey Abrams, is going to find a way out, an excuse that she used when she lost the governor's race to Brian Kemp? Is she going to use that afterwards to say, look, they targeted African-American men with misinformation and they just got so discouraged they didn't show up to vote. So let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to watch the final vote tallies in the Atlanta race and also in the Atlanta Senate races. We're going to watch those, and I'm going to bring those to you, the demographics broken down, to compare the voting of African-American men in this election and compare it to the African-American men that voted in the 2020 election. And I'll bet you, I'll bet you the numbers are going to be similar. But at election time and campaign time, it's always some person out there that's running for office 
that's got to somehow justify their losing, not because of themselves and that they didn't make an acceptable perspective to the voters about what they would do and who they are and that these voters can trust them. They don't want to admit that. And I just think one of the greatest values that we have, and I'm not talking specifically about Herschel Walker here. I'm talking about what he has done. Everybody, all of us, you, especially you, (laughs) no, especially me, we all have things in our past that aren't good. We all make mistakes. Some of us made huge mistakes. That doesn't prove that we are not eligible for anything. If we've made a major change and we've done the things necessary to walk away from those mistakes that were made previously, forgiveness is a big thing and a big part of our lives. There are three kinds of forgiveness. God's forgiveness for us, our forgiveness of ourselves, and our forgiveness of others. And if you don't get a handle on all three of those, you're not going to be successful at pretty much anything that you try. It may be temporarily successful, but if you can't deal with forgiveness, and one of the biggest of those three is forgiveness of ourselves. When we mess up, and I, I look at Stacey Abrams, Stacey Abrams has been through a lot of things in her life. There's no question about it. And because she's African-American and she's in Atlanta, Georgia, that state is known as leaning towards conservatism and there's rampant racism there. Population in Georgia of African-Americans is way high. I don't have the split in front of me. But just a piece of advice for all of you that are listening in. Don't let what happened in your past determine who you are today and who you can be tomorrow. Get forgiveness. If it involves people that you have hurt, get face-to-face with them and apologize. Let them know you are sorry for doing it. And you know what? When you Some people that heard me say that say, I can't. There's no reason to do that. They won't forgive me. Let me tell you how this works. Forgiveness is such a, th- a big thing to God. If you believe the Bible... Here's what he said. Jesus told us when we pray, listen closely, pray this way. This is what the Son of God told us to pray every time we pray. And you've said it for years. The Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6 and 9. What does it say? I'm not going to go into it with you. But you remember that line says, You're praying to God, asking him to forgive you as I forgive those who have sinned against me. Now, this is Jesus Christ telling us to pray that way. What are we asking God to do? God, forgive me. At the same time, I'm forgiving those that have sinned against me. God, forgive me in the same manner in which I forgive those that have sinned against me. God, forgive me in the same degree as I forgive those who have sinned against me. You want forgiveness for something you've done? Make sure your house is clean by forgiving those who have stepped all over you, walked all over you. Now, who is included in that? 
ex-husbands, ex-wives, ex-bosses, friends, people that you work with that have wronged you, that have kept you from getting a promotion. All of those are instances that we must forgive if we expect God to forgive us for our wrongdoing. That is a really big deal. How did that come up in this? I'm telling you, these candidates, they need to come clean with the voters, the ones they're trying to impress and talk them into voting for them. They need to come clean. They need to tell the truth, and they need to take care of the forgiveness problem. If they want voters to forgive them for their past, much of them try to hide their past. Inevitably, I mean, we have internet, everything that you've ever done or said. It's somewhere in the blogosphere, and somebody can grab it, and that happens a lot when these elections come around. Be honest. Accept that you messed up. It's okay to mess up if you make it right. Don't don't mess up habitually. Be honest and expect those that you vote for to be honest with you as well. Wow. Well, what do the Democrats think about tomorrow's election? The center-left identifying think tank linked to big names in the Democrat Party, by the way. They're warning that voters see the Democrat Party as too extreme today, a problem that has the potential to hurt them for years to come. This report first came from Axios. Now remember this, Axios is a far-left news outlet. First reported by Axios, a memo from Third Way looks at the results of a recent October poll of likely voters that dealt with the perception of the political parties. The results indicate that Democrats are underwater on issues that voters name as their biggest priorities. Those include the economy, immigration, and crime. They are perceived, Democrats are, as distant from the electorate ideologically, and voters question whether the Democrat Party shares essential values like patriotism and the importance of hard work. So while Republicans have been focusing on these issues, you know, inflation and border security, Democrats have spent a lot of time pushing abortion as a top issue. The poll showed that among the 800 people they polled, only 17% said abortion was one of their top two issues. Inflation and the economy were number one and number two, 59% having it in their top two. Immigration and the border drew 30%. So this poll also showed Republicans were more trusted to handle inflation. 52% feared Democrats would make it worse if they keep control of Congress. Many Democrat members of Congress are listed as third ways honorary co-chairs. Listen to these people, these names. They include House Majority Whip, James Clyburn, Democrat from South Carolina, Representative Abigail Spanberger, Democrat of Virginia, Josh Gottheimer, Democrat of New Jersey, Greg Meeks, Democrat of New York, and Susan Delbonet, Democrat from Washington, as well as Senators Chris Coons, Democrat Delaware, Joe Manchin from Virginia, a Democrat, and Kristen Cinema, Kirsten Cinema, a Democrat from Arizona. So this entity, third ways, they're not going to present something that is heavily partisan for the Republican Party, 
And I got to be honest with you, I guarantee you, each one of them were shocked to realize what's going on. So that memo said the data from the poll, it makes crystal clear that there is a much deeper problem in play here than just typical midterm backlash against the party in charge. Democrats, the poll says, and the synopsis is, they have a damaged brand. And this damage, at least the memo says this, has to do with the party being seen as out of touch when it comes not just to priorities, but values and ideology as well. As an example, education showed the Democrats are losing trust. The party had a 19-point edge over Republicans on who was trusted to fund education. Republicans led by one point on improving education. Voters also opposed Biden's student loan handout by 13 points. Third Way accuses Republicans of having candidates who are extreme by any standard, but acknowledges that voters see Democrats as being, on average, further removed from them on the political spectrum. On a scale of 0 to 10, with 0 being the most liberal and 10 being the most conservative, poll participants viewed themselves, on average, as a 5.6 and said they prefer candidates who are, on average, a 5.7. They rated Democrats with an average score of 3 and Republicans with 7.3. It's interesting. I've not heard this before. The memo looks to the party's moderates as a ray of hope, but concern that they are not enough. If this brand problem persists, it warns, Democrats will face an uphill climb in 2024 and beyond. I'll say it again, that's very surprising to me, but this seems like, based upon who the people are, the movers and shakers in this third way, they're mostly Democrats. And I think these Democrats, the ones that I named, I don't know them all, but a big chunk of them I do. We all know Chris Coons from Delaware, Joe Manchin from West Virginia, Kirsten Cinema from Arizona, James Clyburn, from South Carolina, these are not any real moderates per se. More moderate than some of the far left, but these are still leftists. And these are the ones that are doing this research and coming up with these answers. Those shock me. I've got to be completely honest with you. They shock me. You know who Trey Gowdy is. Trey Gowdy is now, he does a Sunday night show on Fox News. He is a hardcore conservative. He's a great, he's a phenomenal communicator. And he's not a typical, he was not, he's out of Congress now. And many of us hate the fact that he decided not to run again, but to go back to private law practice. Anyway, he's doing a show on Sunday night. And he being a great spokesman, he watches circumstances that happen in the world around us all that are important to all of us. Last night, I got to be honest with you, one of the greatest synopsis of what we are facing today, Trey Gowdy gave it to us all last night. I thought you'd want to hear this. Good evening and thank you for joining us. I'm Trey Gowdy and it's Sunday night in America. One of the first lessons you learn in the courtroom is how to manage expectations. 
That lesson will serve you well in other areas too, including politics. Underpromise and overperform. That's a good mantra, but it rarely happens in politics. They'd rather tell you they can get a president to sign the repeal of a piece of legislation named after him. They'll tell you they have a mandate to radically change the country, even though they barely have a majority in the House and a tie in the Senate. No, politics is not known for setting proper expectations, but we can. If Republicans win the House, but not the Senate, that's the end of the Biden legislative agenda. Whatever ideas exist on the left will not become law because they'll never see the floor of the House. The majority controls the floor. If Republicans win the House and the Senate, it gets more interesting because then you'll see the contrast that used to inform politics. Then Republican majorities could pass bills and present them to President Biden, and he would veto those bills. But at least you'd see the contrast between what is and what could be. And that contrast would serve you well heading into another presidential race in 2024. A realistic expectation does not include any Republican ideas actually becoming law. But it does mean Democrat ideas will not become law. It means the end of what many consider to be bad ideas. And stopping bad ideas has merit. It isn't exciting. It isn't great for fundraising. It won't make you famous, which is what so many politicians crave these days. But there's merit in stopping bad things. If your house is on fire, I doubt you're standing in the yard thinking about what kind of new kitchen countertops you can get. I bet you're thinking, let me save what I can, put it out before it engulfs my neighbor's houses and destroys every memory I ever saved. You are content stopping the fire. If you're drowning, I doubt you're thinking about what to watch on Netflix later that night. You're thinking of oxygen, of help, of surviving, and that's enough. Your expectations are modest but essential. Stop the bad, and then you can think about what's good. Control of the House and perhaps the Senate means control over what's investigated. If you want hearings on crime and inflation and the border in Afghanistan, you will get them. That's a realistic expectation. But you may not have your subpoenas enforced because that's controlled by the executive and judicial branches. So yes, you can set the hearings, pick the topics, subpoena the witnesses and documents, but who shows and what they bring may be out of your control. And voters deserve to know that. Be honest with expectations on the front end, and you'll be judged fairly on the back end. If you exaggerate or overpromise, you will fail. And in the process, breathe the anger and the cynicism that comes from unmet expectations. There's merit in stopping bad things from happening. Whatever you get beyond that after Tuesday, let it be a pleasant surprise. But a surprise, nonetheless. A surprise, nonetheless. I'm from South Louisiana. When you get something, get something good that you didn't expect. We call that lanyap. Now, what is lanyap? Lanyap is that thing that you get. It's something you didn't plan on. And if you go buy something, it's something that you didn't pay for. 
And the vendor said, hey, I'm going to give you this just because I'm thanking you for being here and shopping with us. We called it the Baker's Dozen, you know, that 13th donut. Hey, there's a lot of election stuff, but that's not everything. We're going to dig into the Paul Pelosi debacle up next. You're fighting back the tidal wave of deceit, lies, spin, and ignorance with TNN, the Truth News Network. Long live the courageous, the tenacious, the ones who push forward and give back. Long live the greater good, the helping hand, those who fall and get back up. And long live the truck with the strength to overcome. The will to outwork. And the commitment to outlast them all. Ram, proven to last. Hey, Thirst, can I try out a few Coke Summer sound effects on you? Yes. Cool. You okay with this? And this? Yes. And what about this? Yes. Ha! Gotcha there, Thirst. That wasn't sound effects. That was a Coke. I'm no longer thirsty. You're so out of here. Coca-Cola. Open happiness. I just want to mention this one more time. For those of you that came and were expecting to hear Congressman Mike Johnson join us this morning, uh, I told everybody I got an early call this morning from his top assistant named Taylor, and he said Congressman Johnson would not be able to join us. He and his wife rushed their son to the hospital, and therefore he wasn't going to be able to be here. We prayed for him live on the show. Just remember Congressman Johnson his wife Kelly, and their son throughout the day. And we'll get more information when we do. We'll we'll pass that along to you. Now, going into the break, I mentioned the Paul Pelosi debacle. This is a story that just keeps on keeping on. We haven't gotten to the bottom of it. NBC News broke a story Friday morning. The Friday morning, this this thing happened at 2 a.m., California time, Thursday night, early Friday morning. NBC went public with a story about what happened. And the report that NBC, it was very mysteriously and quickly removed from their website and from MSNBC and CNBC's websites. Nobody knows why. Well, Tucker Carlson happened to grab a copy of that story. And here's Tucker weighing in on this whole thing. So at the top of the show, we told you about the pretty amazing report that aired on the Today Show this morning about what happened inside Paul Pelosi's home. But then that story got Epstein'd. 
the guards fell asleep, the story killed itself and disappeared. It's been scrubbed from the internet. But we kept a copy so you could see it. Here it is. Sources familiar with what unfolded in the Pelosi residence now revealing when officers responded to the high priority call, they were seemingly unaware they'd been called to the home of the Speaker of the House. After a knock and announce, the front door was opened by Mr. Pelosi. The 82-year-old did not immediately declare an emergency or tried to leave his home, but instead began walking several feet back into the foyer toward the assailant and away from police. Why Pelosi didn't try to flee or tell responding officers he was in distress is unclear. We still don't know exactly what unfolded between Mr. Pelosi and the suspect for the 30 minutes they were alone inside that house before police arrived. Wait, they were alone in the house for 30 minutes before police arrived and Pelosi didn't seem upset when the police finally got there? What is that? We don't know. We do know that almost immediately after that report aired, NBC News deleted it from their website and also from Twitter. On the NBC website, an editor's note reads this way, quote, the piece should not have aired because it did not meet NBC News reporting standards, end quote. Well, NBC News has no reporting standards. This is the company that leaked the Access Hollywood tape to the Washington Post to destroy Donald Trump before he became president. It's a political organization, obviously. It has no standards. But it's to torture them, we called over to NBC News and asked, well, why exactly did you do this? And they refused to tell us. But we can recap what we know. And again, we don't want to be talking about this in the first place, but the President of the United States is claiming that Paul Pelosi was attacked by some kind of right-wing Trump voter or whatever. So here's what we know. Last Friday night, Paul Pelosi called 911 to report that his, quote, friend was in the house. That friend was David DePape. David DePape is an illegal alien, drug addict, hippie nudist, living in a school bus with a BLM sign out front. Kind of a classic right winger, right? So initial reports told us that DePape was, when the police arrived, in his underwear. Then local news retracted that claim for reasons no one ever explained. Then, according to NBC, when police arrived, Pelosi didn't try to run. In fact, he walked back toward David DePape. What the hell? We hate even to speculate about any of this, but they're forcing the issue because they're telling us that this was a replay of January 6th. So we have a right to know what exactly it really was. How could you not speculate upon what you just heard? Now, let me just say this. Tucker just branded NBC. I mean, they are who they are. We all know NBC is in the tank for the far left. And we know that when they report on something, they scan it that direction. In other words, they're going to come out. If it's a bad thing happening, they're going to make it look good or they're going to refuse to talk about it or they're going to report something else. The Paul Pelosi um, break-in? I don't know what to call it. And... I don't know what to think about what you just heard that the guy that apparently broke into the house was there for 30 minutes with Paul Pelosi before the call to the cops came. Eh, you know that old saying, when it quacks and, quacks and waddles, it's pretty much always a duck. I'm not saying it is anything, but I'm telling you it is raising eyebrows and not just across the United States. But even down in Australia, there is a very strange story that is getting even stranger, but they don't want us to talk about it, but I'm going to. 
Remember the attack on Paul Pelosi, the husband of the Speaker of the House, the representatives in the United States, Nancy Pelosi. Now, you know the story by now about what happened, but there's something very weird about this story. Firstly, the good news. Paul Pelosi is out of hospital. This is after apparently his skull was cracked in the uh, attack that involved a fight with a bloke in his undies and a hammer. But there is a strange bit of detail that NBC News on their Today Show, so nobody was ad-libbing here, this made it through all the producers, all the graphics department. This is an interesting detail. Now, remember, if somebody had broken into your house and the police turn up, would you go toward the police or toward the attacker? After a knock and announce... front door was opened by Mr. Pelosi. The 82-year-old did not immediately declare an emergency or tried to leave his home, but instead began walking several feet back into the foyer toward the assailant and away from police. Sorry? So remember here, I'm not talking about a loaded gun, so you could understand if there was a hostage or a loaded gun, maybe you're trying to sort of blink and send messages to the police. But this was a crazy person with a hammer, so there was some physical distance to be able to push through the police, get outside and say, you go get him. But that report was nuked, removed by NBC from their website, and in fact, this is all that remains on the internet of the story. The piece should not have aired because it did not meet NBC News reporting standards. Now, can we roll the tape again but with no audio? Because I want people to understand, this isn't just somebody making it up in the middle of a segment. To have the pictures drawn up and the words written on top meant somebody else saw this. Presumably it was then edited and somebody else saw that before it made it to air. Now, all of these people may have just got it wrong and trust the single reporter, but... Normally, that's not how it quite works in a newsroom, especially when you're talking about something as sensitive as this. So, yet again, a weird story gets weirder, and even weirder when the story about the story disappears. This all happened to the husband of the person that is number three on the secession line of the United States presidency. If Joe Biden goes, Kamala Harris steps up, If Kamala Harris goes, the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, steps up. So that news, even though it's about Paul or husband, is pretty important. And guess what? I promise you, more information will come out from there. I said we were through with the election stuff. We just got this in just a moment ago. Tennessee election officials have vowed to find the cause of mistakes after hundreds of early votes cast were cast in wrong races. They said that hundreds of citizens who voted in incorrect congressional races because of a redistricting mishap will be able to cast provisional ballots on election day and vowed to get down to the root cause of this mistake once the elections are over. This happened in Davidson County. Davidson County Election Commissioner said that 438 voters were impacted by a mistake that officials have been working endless hours to check voters' precincts and ensure they have the correct ballots for the in-person election tomorrow. 
Now, in order to do that, some individuals may vote. Instead of voting on the voting machines, you'll be offered a yellow envelope that has your name on it with your specific ballot inside. That's from Jeff Roberts, who's Nashville's election administrator. Roberts said that officials will have to wait until Tuesday to determine how voters cast their ballots in the wrong districts. That's a good question to get an answer to. We will then sit down, they said, and see what caused the issue to begin with. You know, where did it originate? So that when we do redistricting again in 10 years, we don't go through this issue with the voters getting in the wrong, misassigned precinct. Election officials have scrambled for days now to correct Davidson County's voting system after the Associated Press reported first that nearly 200 Tennesseans had voted in the incorrect congressional races, while 16 cast votes in a wrong state Senate race and six cast votes in a wrong state House race. Early this year, you may remember Republican lawmakers split up multiple precincts throughout Davidson County while redrawing Nashville's congressional maps in hopes of flipping a Democratic seat. As a result, voters now live in splintered precincts. Some have been incorrectly grouped in the wrong district, but according to the county, no issues surrounding ballots being cast in the wrong race were raised during the primary, which took place back in August. Now think about that for a second. None of this came up. Nobody knew about it. I guess basically nobody knew about it. How many of those votes that were cast in those primaries back in August were cast in this same manner? What that means is some of the people that made it through those primaries are on the general election ballot tomorrow. How many of those are not supposed to be there? And the so-called loser should be there instead. I got to be honest with you. You hear things like this. And you, you, you watch the polling and what's happening around the nation, especially in those states that were lightning rods in 2020. You remember? Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Nevada, Arizona. You remember all of those? And you begin to wonder now when you hear there's something going on in any state It just makes you go, hmm, I wonder what's happening there. And then there's what happened at the campaign office of Republican gubernatorial nominee in Arizona, Carrie Lake. She got two envelopes that contained suspicious white powder and abusive messages. Now, the white powder, of course, when that happens, especially to a politician, people go crazy because there is some history not really good history, too. The FBI and police were called out and were at one of Lake's campaign offices, Carrie Lake, from 10 p.m. Saturday to 5 a.m. Sunday morning after a staffer received two envelopes that contained a suspicious white powder and threatening, threatening messages. The campaign is considering that an attack. The report of this explained that Lake's campaign believes this was a terrorist attack trying to intimidate Carrie Lake and her campaign staff. 
a Daily Mail source. Now, here we go again. There's DailyMail.com from Europe. This source was familiar with the campaign, also told the publication that one of the staffers opened up an envelope that had that white powder in it and had a letter too. There was a bunch of vulgarities and ranting and raving about Kerry, adding that the employee noticed there was another package, exactly like the first one she had opened, and also reported that. So a hazmat team showed up, and the bomb squad showed up, and the FBI took the suspicious substance for analysis, which means we won't hear about what that suspicious white powder was until a week or two after the election. The Phoenix Police Department confirmed to the Daily Mail there were suspicious packages and they're being investigated. Man, 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 man. So here we are an hour and 52 minutes into the show. Let's walk away from politics for a few minutes. CWB, that's a TV station in Chicago, noted that an incident that happened And let me go back and just give you the background of this. There's a report that says suspect accused of killing man on video was not charged. Then allegedly he killed again. So this suspect is Adrian Soto. He allegedly killed his girlfriend's ex last year while others watched in Chicago. Nobody was charged. He wasn't charged until just recently. CWB reported this. The incident was recorded on camera. Now, they don't give any details of that. Meanwhile, the man was also accused of shooting up his ex-girlfriend's home, which, when he did it, killed somebody inside the house. Authorities have since charged him with two counts of first-degree murder and numerous additional felonies. The news comes as nearly 600 people have been killed in Mayor Lori Lightfoot's Chicago That's just this year, folks, as the crime wave continues. Think about that. 600 people murdered in one city. And we're not even done with the year yet. In November 20, excuse me, November 7th of 2021, Soto and his girlfriend went to collect their children from her ex-boyfriend, Nicholas Naraluski, in a grocery store parking lot. According to the prosecutor, Aaron Cooper, when Soto's girlfriend walked over to them, Soto remained in the car, but the woman soon came back with the children and her ex-boyfriend. Soto then began arguing with Naraluski before allegedly shooting the man multiple times, and he died. Naraluski was unarmed when it occurred. Soto was not charged with that murder until recently. And the reasons behind the delay have not yet been reported. That's just shocking. It's not strange. It's shocking. Meanwhile, Soda was accused of killing another person in January after he saw a Facebook stream of his ex-girlfriend partying with her boyfriend and relatives. That night, Soto messaged the woman saying he had watched her with the boyfriend who allegedly belonged to a rival gang. The suspect later drove to the home and allegedly opened fire, killed a man sleeping inside. All of this, folks, happening in Chicago on Mayor Lori Lightfoot's watch. I'll just interject myself. I'm not a Chicagoan. I've been there many times. I like Chicago a lot. 
especially downtown. I like the people. I like the food. It's got a lot to offer people. But having 600 people murdered this year in Chicago does not bode well for the people of Chicago. And it shouldn't bode well for the mayor that's in charge. And all of this happened on her watch, Laurel Lightfoot. Well, thanks for being here today. I want to thank you to Billy Andrews, who joined us from Georgia, talking about the Georgia two big races, the gubernatorial race between Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams, and then, of course, Raphael Warnock and Herschel Walker in the Senate race. We'll be back tomorrow. No, we won't be able to tell you about the results, but we'll weigh in on other important matters just for you here at TNN Live. See you then.